0: Episode 151 for September 2011. The Spider Man Crawl Space podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices. An example on this episode is on Amazing Spider Man number 674. This one features the return of the original Vulture, and hopefully, this one doesn't vomit on anyone. The cover price $3.99. Mail order has it for just $2.47, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. All right, welcome back, gang, for another episode, Celebrity Episode. Josh, you're back again with even more celebrities. What are you, the entertainment tonight of uh, Spider Man?
1: You, you realize I haven't left. Um, I've been here since I don't know what episode it was. Like I was on like three episodes before Comic Con. I've been on. I've been here since June, Brad. It's like we're getting into yeah. September now. I'm. It's I'm, you're, you're, are you are you gonna are you gonna let me
0: go home? No, no. I'm I'm trapping you in the room like Mary Jane in a burn up issue. Uh. Uh, oh, oh. Well, Actually, that, 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 that was
1: after Burn left, but yeah, yeah you got to have Jr. do, do, do that in
0: your yeah. history. So, Joey Z is going to whack you if anybody uh, tries but to take it you away. <laughs> I don't know who Joey Z is. is. Anyway, we've got, this episode has a hodgepodge of people that you talked to at San Diego back in 2010 and 2011, right?
1: Yeah, these were recordings that were done that couldn't support their own episodes because they were either really, really short, in some cases only a few minutes, because in San Diego it's all happening so fast. Sometimes you only get a few minutes with these people. And just due the time and the fact that Brad only has a certain amount of, you know, episodes that he could post a month, they became I don't want to say lost in the crawl space archives over time, but you know, waiting for a time to bring them out, and we got some stuff from 2011 to couple them with, so I, I think together they make for some really solid yeah, stuff.
0: About an hour's worth of, of interviews. The first one is really good. You talked to the producer of uh, Spectacular Spider-Man, the animated series, who's now doing Young Justice, Mr. Greg Weisman, who I've interviewed a couple times, just a great guy.
1: Yeah, he, he was a great guy, and I <laughs> lied my butt off to him to get that <laughs>
0: interview.
1: Why? Um, What'd you do? I don't know how much he remembers this or not, but okay, you, he, he, you and him were emailing once, and he asked where the Gwen articles were, and you said, "Dude, Greg wants more of your Gwen articles," and I said, "Okay, so in San Diego, um, I was with the Batman Universe guys, the Batman Universe dot Brad's gonna edit that out. Uh-huh. This episode's brought to you by. Anyway, um, he was providing <laughs> – He was promoting Young Justice, and I said, hey, can I talk Spider-Man with you? And he said, you know, I don't really have time, and I'm here promoting Young Justice. And I said, I'll post another Gwen article by the end of the week if you talk Spider-Man with me. So he agreed, and um, I never got it. It's been a
0: year later, and you still haven't posted your Gwen. That's because you went off on a tangent on Betty.
1: This is this was pre Betty man. though. there's um, I, I explain when the Betty articles why Gwen hasn't been up. But no, when I got back from San Diego, there was a lot more brewing than than posting an article. Things, but
0: well, I, in this interview, uh, Greg talks a bit about his uh, solo issue. Uh, it was a backup story of Flash Thompson uh, when he came back after losing his legs, which was an awesome story.
1: Was a very good story in this interview. Uh, you'll hear it, it's. Uh, it, it gave me a deeper appreciation of the story because when Greg talked about his feelings behind it and it's really funny in hindsight because this is before Flash was Venom and we talk about Flash's future and even speculate on a Flash Thompson miniseries which uh, we got we
0: got an ongoing you know one better but uh, we didn't know what the subject would be. Alright here is Mr. Greg Wiseman
1: Comic Con is in full swing and we have with us uh, Mr. Greg Wiseman how are you doing? I'm good how are you? But enjoying yourself. You got a lot of DCs, Marvels, and Independence all around here.
2: I'm having a great time. I'm doing signings at the uh, Ape Kazoic booth for our new comic, Mechanation. I'm doing Gargoyle signings at the SLG booth. I'm, I've had panels for Young Justice and DC Showcase, and and we have a signing for that later. It's uh, it's been fun. <laughs> How's your wrist feeling after all those signings? Uh, my wrist is good. I'm strong. I, I trained for them. No, I, I'm fine. I'm good. Well,
1: unfortunately, uh, your time on Spectacular Spider-Man is sadly over, but you did get to return
2: the Spider-Man recently uh, with a Flash Thompson backup story. How did that come about? Uh, well, you know, I expressed an interest uh, originally to Josh Fine at Marvel West, saying that, hey, you know, I'd love to write some Spider-Man comic books, and he hooked me up with Steve Wacker, who's um, one of the editors on uh, Amazing Spider-Man. And Steve and I talked about, you know... Uh, what I might do and uh, I was sort of fascinated with what they had done with Flash in the book Uh, I thought that was a really interesting story that they had done and and I uh, sort of pitched doing another one and 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 we came up with uh, I had this notion that of Flash going through the five stages of grief but backwards because Flash is such a backwards kind of guy that sometimes uh goes about things the wrong way, because it felt to me in that one story that they had already done, that he had already reached acceptance. And I thought it made that story sort of wonderful, but at the same time, um, you know, nothing's that easy. And Mm so I sort of said, but if he starts at acceptance, where's he going to go? And so I thought, well, what if he went backwards through it and uh, ended on grace? And um, so that was sort of... a cool thing for me to, to be able to do and I have this you know a great love of Flash Thompson so I, I, I love the character I really was happy
1: another character who uh, I guess you have seen the love is Shoshan because nobody remembers her but you you picked her out and you used her in Spectacular Spider-Man and then now She's appearing in this backup story that you did for the first time since that Web of Spider-Man annual from '87 or '88, where she just had a little backup like feature. This is Shyshawn;
2: she will have more adventures, and then she never did. Is this a favorite character? Dude? I always, I always really liked Shyshawn, and what I liked her as was as um, Flash's girlfriend. I noticed that there was that whole, you know, brother Moon's sister son stuff, and 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 that was okay. Uh, but what what I really liked her with is. Uh, as Flash's girlfriend, but the girlfriend who didn't let him get away with anything mm-hmm. and who wouldn't be cheated on. would stand for that kind of thing. And, and I always thought she was a really interesting character um, with a, a really different background from um, from some of the other uh, females in, in the Spider-Man universe. And so I always was sorry that she went away and didn't really come back. So, bringing her back as Flash's physical therapist you know kind of hilarious to me and I don't know if the readers thought so but I thought it was funny and just this idea that here's this woman who loved him once but doesn't let him get away with stuff Um, that the physical therapist he has at the beginning of the comic is just a really nice guy but that's not what Flash needs you know he doesn't need a nice guy to help him put him through his paces he needs someone who won't Take his baloney and uh, that felt like a perfect role for Shoshanna. And and just like you said, I just have a great affinity for the character.
1: I enjoyed seeing her back, uh, and I thought it was funny. One thing that I thought was a little off, though, was you know it's um, the implication I got in the story was that Peter and the gang
2: went and found her to get her as a physical therapist, correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the, they they I'll tracked know. her down and um, and found her, and then found out. They were looking for her just because they were looking for people from Flash's life um, to help him celebrate his birthday and help him pull out of his um, depression. And so they tracked her down and then when they tracked her down they found out what she did for a living and it was just so perfect because he so needed a new uh, physical therapist that they convinced her to be that for him and uh, it just felt like it worked to me.
1: Considering the way things ended with Flash and Shishon, you know, him hitting her in the face and confronting her in the hospital room and her saying that she'll testify against him in court, uh, do you think that that was the best thing for his friends to do? Or maybe they didn't know about that stuff? Um,
2: yeah, I... I, I that, that's yes. what I thought was funny. It's like, hey, surprise, your physical therapist is her. What I remember is, um, you know, Flash was, you know, uh, going through a difficult time and... and uh, um, there's the whole hobgoblin stuff, and and but you know to me what what struck me from that period of time is Flash having an affair with Betty, and uh, that to me feels like Flash Thompson. Flash hitting a woman doesn't feel like Flash Thompson. That feels like Flash Thompson under the influence of uh, something else. And so I, to me, to be honest, I was skipping over that. You know, I, I was doing it as the guy who um, slipped up, not as the guy who was brutalizing a woman, because that, to me, that's not Flash Thompson.
1: Well, you also, speaking of Flash Thompson under the influence, you brought back Flash's family, his sister Jessie and his father, and not only did you bring them back, but you resolved that storyline from the spectacular Spider-Man uh, comic series, uh, pre-1998 reboot, where Flash's father was also an alcoholic, and the two of them were butting
2: heads, and you resolved that, and I don't know. I'd per- say resolved it, but I, I, I wasn't trying to say it was finished. Like you know, suddenly they're right. Everything's fine. Well, there's no and, perfect and then, finishes with but, those. But I, I did want to kind of
3: have Flash uh,
2: um, have a moment with his dad that was human and real, and um, and put them on a path that might turn out good and might not. I mean, you know, the guy's got his chip, uh, his one-month chip or whatever, and I forget exactly what chip it was. But um, And so it's it's a step in the right direction, but it's far from a guarantee. And, um, you know, doing one story, you don't want to put, you know, I'm not a regular writer on Amazing Spider-Man, not that I would love to be, but I'm not. And, um, and so you don't want to create something that you're sort of, and I'm doing this, and I'm sticking the regular writers with something they may or may not want. And so I wanted to do something both with Shashan, with uh, Betty, with um, uh, with Harrison, that um, wasn't definitive, but just said, look, here's kind of where I would go with it. If you like it, that's fine. But if you don't like it, nothing is so etched in stone from this one backup story that you guys need to feel like, well, i got to I'm locked into this stuff perfect symmetry, too, is
1: that Luke Ross did the art for that, and, you know, he was the person who did the Flash Thompson and his father's storyline back in the 90s, too, so I like that touch that it brought on. You also brought back uh, Jason and Tiny from Untold Tales, and even uh, Josh from the Silver Age. I thought
2: that was pretty cool. Well, again, in, in doing research for Spectacular Spider-Man, the series, um, the TV series, way back, um, you know, 2006, 2007. um, I knew about all these characters, but I refreshed my memory about all these characters. And we always wanted on that series to never have an original main character on the series at all. That was one of our goals, specific goals. And so for us, we uh, um, tried to populate the high school with various high school students from Various locations, whether they were Untold Tales or the original 60s stuff, populate uh, ESU with um, with characters from the original series uh, or uh, elsewhere from the canon. So, for example, and it wasn't necessarily clear, but um, in Spectacular Spider Man, we wanted Eddie's roommate to be Josh. Uh, and we just never were able to fit it in screen time-wise. It just never quite fit. But uh, that was our original plan, that, that Josh and Eddie were freshmen together in a freshman dorm, sharing a room. Um, but it just there just wasn't the screen space to fit Josh in. So we wound up uh, skipping over Josh there, but obviously Josh, Tiny, um, uh, Jason, uh, they were all in my head. Uh, more characters than that were in my head, but a lot of them have been killed off over the years. That's what I was wondering about, too. Um, so like Seymour you know. and, and Sally and stuff, I would have put them in, too, but they're theoretically dead, so that made it harder. Um, but, uh, you know, I had all these high school characters in my head, so when you're going back and doing This Is Your Life, Flash Thompson, all these guys, you know, from... His father and his family, to characters who you haven't seen in years, to characters who you barely know but you met in that issue where Flash lost his legs. Um, I wanted to really run the gamut of all these people that whose lives Flash had affected in a positive way, um, and even with Shazam, who has reason to be angry at Flash. Um, she has enough memory of a, the good guy that he was that she was willing to come there, show up, and then take on his case. And that was what I tried to do with the character. That basically, Flash can be a jerk. He can be a jerk, but deep down, he's a good guy. And we tried to do that on the TV series, show that on the TV series. And we, I tried to give a flavor of that in that one uh, story. Any chance of Marvel giving you a Flash
1: Thompson uh, miniseries or something? Well... I'd love to do it. No one's
2: uh, suggested that, but
3: I'd be
1: happy to do it. Oh, that would be really cool. Is there any more Spider-Man-related stuff that we might see you on in the future, or does Young Justice kind of have your,
2: uh, your schedule booked for a while? I'm pretty booked on Young Justice, but, uh, you know, I'd be more than willing. You know, I love Spider-Man, and I'd be more than willing to, to do more. Uh, all they have to do is ask, I'm there. So uh, I'm happy to do it if they want me Well, Wiseman,
1: we at The Crawl Space, we love Spectacular Spider-Man, and we loved your Flash Thompson story, and we'd love to see more from you in the future. Thank you very much, uh, and it has been a pleasure
2: talking with you. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks.
0: All right, our next uh, interview is with uh, Sarah Ballantyne, and she's a voice actress. Tell me a bit about her.
1: She played Mary Jane, and when I say Mary Jane, I mean the Mary Jane, Mary Jane. <laughs> From the 90s. From the 90s series, yeah. And oh. this was, I was camped out um, in twenty in, uh, 2010 for the uh, for. for 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 the Spider-Man panel where they announced big time. And before them, there was a few panels, and one of them was cartoon voices. And I didn't know that she was going to be there. So I was really, really surprised uh, and delighted to see her there. So I kind of cornered her afterwards for, you know, a picture. And this isn't really an interview as much as it is me casually chatting with her and, you know, recording it because I record everything that I do at (laughs) Comic-Con. Your
0: iPhone gets a workout
1: yeah and um afterwards you know there's gonna be a little i guess uh should we play yeah yeah let's play them together afterwards, you know there'll be a little musical break or something for like ten seconds, and then a year later, Miss Valentine and I were reunited in the second cartoon voices thing uh each time both of the both of the chats are cut short because this is between panels there's people. You know, trying to sign pictures. There's people trying to get photographs. The the second conversation with her is cut drastically short, and I want to know the rest of the story. She talks about a fan film that she agreed to do, and then I know I heard this. Yeah, yeah, but uh, the the first one in 2010. It's really interesting because, well, you'll hear it. She talks about um another Spider-Man show that she was almost on. So uh, Sarah Valentine, take a listen. We're here at Comic Con with Sarah Valentine, the Mary Jane from the '90s series.
3: Face it, Tiger, you just hit the jackpot.
1: Awesome. Can you uh, tell everyone real quickly uh, what what you just told me? What was the role that you just read for the new Spider-Man? I just
3: read for Aunt May in the new Spider-Man, which goes to show you how ruthless this business is. You go from the ingenue to Aunt May in, like, just ten years. It's shocking. (laughs) But it was so great to do the show, and everybody on it was, I mean, I was the only person in the room I didn't know. We had Ed Asner, we had Martin Landau, we had Malcolm McDowell. I mean, they had great, great talent on that show.
1: What was your favorite episode?
3: Well, I guess it was the one where Mary Jane finally got an acting job. And I was doing theater in the park, in Central Park. Oh, And I really one. wanted Peter there, and I wanted him in the front row. And, of course, he missed my big monologue, and, you know, he was saving somebody. What
1: did you think when they had you turn into water and guilt?
3: Uh You know, I thought it was very cool. I thought it was a very cool thing. I screamed a lot that episode. This is my dear friend, Laura, who was up on the stage. Laura, you were hilarious. Oh, good. Thanks. You were, and I took pictures for you. You did? Yes, I did. I oh, know, I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, we
1: have such fond memories of you as Mary Jane. Well, thank
3: you. That's very nice to hear.
1: Look forward to more projects in the future. God I, bless and you. And I, too.
3: Thank you very much.
1: Hi. Hi. I met you last year. Yeah.
3: Did you try to call me?
1: <laughs> I don't think I tried to call you, but uh, sure. um, we exchanged information for a podcast interview. Uh, yes. So yes. I'd love to do it. And then we're with Spider-Man Crawl Space. Talk about your time as Mary Jane. Yes, I
3: would love to do that. I would love to do that. My, yeah. my time as Mary Jane was very precious.
1: It was precious to a lot. We were watching clips of it last night, and one of our one of our lines that we were cracking up at is when um, you and um, Peter are telling Aunt May and Aunt Anna that you're getting married, and. You say the line, Aunt Anna. I may have partial amnesia. Oh,
3: thank
1: you. <laughs> do, do you remember that one? Yes. I yes. Oh. Very funny. Oh, Hello.
3: Go ahead and sign for him. Oh, absolutely. That was
1: before you turned in the water.
3: Right. 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 Well, you know what? It was the most fun, and I wish I wish we could just do it all the time. Really, it was one of the most fun thank things. You. I I met a guy on the internet who wanted to do a fan film. And I didn't know what that meant, but he wanted to use Mary Jane's original voice in this fan film, and it's incredible what he's doing. Hello, drawing something
0: on that. Okay, our next interview is with another voice actress, Miss Jennifer Hale, and she played the Black Cat, Felicia Hardy, in the '90s show, right? Don
1: tells this story really funny. He says that I was upstairs, and he said that Jennifer Hale was downstairs, and that I bolted to get there as fast as I could. <laughs>
0: But, uh, she, uh, love her voice, by the way. There's she is. She does this for a living. I love her voice. Jennifer Hale.
1: Yeah, she's played lots of Spider-Man girls. Not only was she Felicia and, you know, the, the, the Felicia, Felicia, she, uh, she was Silver Sable in some of the Spider-Man video games. She was Mary Jane in, uh, the PlayStation video game, I believe, as well as, she was also Felicia in that game, too, funnily enough. And, uh. Mary Jane in the first episode of Spider-Man Unlimited. So she she was very, very nice. Posted her pictures with us, and um, she recorded a promo for uh, Classics for
0: John. Mm, Very cool. All right, here's Jennifer Hale.
1: It's Comic-Con, and we're here with Jennifer Hale. And uh, who did you play in the Spider-Man animated series?
3: Felicia Hardy, Black Cat. That's
1: right. And um, you were also Mary Jane in the 2000 PlayStation game, weren't you? Actually,
3: yeah, in Silver Sable. Yeah,
1: you were so versatile in Ultimate Spider Man. You keep yeah. on going back to these Spider Man women. I know, I know. Which of these Spider Girls is your favorite? Felicia. Felicia? Why do you like Felicia? Why because is she... she's also
3: the Black Cat. Nothing better than
1: the Black Cat. Uh-huh. Um, so, Felicia was with a lot of men over the course of that show The Hobgoblin, Morbius, Spider Man. You know, which one? I well, can't what, help what, what was your favorite it. mate? Oh, it's
3: it's all right. It's, they, they, know, they, they, they
1: can't help it either.
3: They all have a special place in my heart.
1: They all have a... now can you tell me about the audition? Do you remember it at all?
3: I vaguely remember it, yeah, I do actually. Yes. It was uh, the director was very interesting and uh, it was fun. I remember that it had a kind of great classic feel to it. Thank you.
1: How much did you know about the character when you auditioned for the parts? Only a
3: little bit, only what they told me, you know, when I went in. Yeah.
1: Now, do you know if they were always planning on making her the black cat or not? Were you made aware of the plans for her character? Because you were Felicia for three seasons I first. Wasn't, I wasn't
3: aware. And then it came in, and I was really excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: How did you find out that the show was canceled?
3: You know, we've been on long enough where I kind of suspected it might be. And with animation, you tend to wrap a season, and then it's a little while before you hear if you have another one. And after that many seasons, you you know, you're okay. If they go, okay, it's, I mean, you're bombed, but you accept it. What was it's your favorite
1: uh, Felicia line? Uh. We 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 we, have, we all have a few. It's been a
3: while. I mean, Gosh, I tell me yours and I'll say it back to you.
1: Oh, 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 let's say wow. it. are the Wilson
3: Fisk, what
1: is the meaning of this?
3: Wilson Fisk, what is the meaning of this? <laughs>
1: See, I love I love when she got all uppity. Oh yeah, she
3: was great at that. Yeah. Parker. Parker. <laughs>
1: I, that's one thing I was disappointed about. That she never found out that P- that Peter was Spider Man. You know, oh, she always yeah. just saw him as Parker. I know. And the Black Cat had a
3: crush on him. What are you gonna
1: do? Yeah, that love triangle, oh, yeah, the, the the classic setup.
3: Always. You so you
1: you've come back me? to the Spider Man world as Silver Sable, Mary <laughs> yes. Jane. You know, usually usually Silver Sable, from what I've noticed, I yes. guess like is is it. Are, do you know if they're going after you? Just Are you auditioning? Are they finding you? Is it because of your past work with
3: the character? You know, it's both, actually. I should say that. I audition and they, they will come and mm-hmm. find me. Yes.
1: Who in the fight, Silver Sable or Felicia?
3: Silver Sable. Sorry. Oh. I know, I know. It,
1: you're just, all right, she's though. She's a mercenary. It's what she does. Okay. She's very calm. Well, uh, can we get a quick promo for you? Sure. Okay, Um, I got one. He's got a quick one. This yeah, is... um. Jennifer Hale, the Black Hat, and you're listening to Spider-Man Crawl Space.
3: Yeah. This is Jennifer Hale, the Black Hat, and you're listening to Spider-Man Crawl Space.
0: And the other interview is uh, with Eric Larson, who was the penciler of Amazing Spider-Man back in the 90s. He uh, replaced uh, Todd McFarlane. And you get to talk to him.
1: Yeah, this was in the last half hour of uh, Comic-Con 2011, as... Uh I think we we're getting ready to go and doing some last minute shopping, and I think it was Don who spotted Eric Larson. I think he texted me like, "Dude, Eric Larson's here." He,
0: I, guess, I like scout. I like Larson's stuff back in the day. It was Spider-Man. yeah, it, 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 it was
1: funny stuff. Uh, I I wish he was a little happy about about his time on the book, but
0: uh, <laughs> yeah, after you listen to this, uh, form your own opinion. But I, I take away that he didn't really like drawing Spider Man. I don't know. I think he likes the bigger, muscular, savage dragonish type Hulk Thor characters. But anyway, Eric Larson.
1: All right, we are here with Eric Larson. Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. All right, and uh, your time on Spider Man is uh, well remembered. You came on to Amazing
4: right after um, Todd McFarlane left. Was that a lot of pressure for you? It was a fair amount of pressure, but um, since everybody was pretty much expecting. It to fail, um, it kind of was, in a way, less pressure because, you know, if it if it went down while well, I was everything what everybody expected, and if it didn't go down, then I was a miracle worker. So, it kind of the kind of the pressure was not as extreme as one might think it would be. And you worked on uh, lots of
1: memorable stuff during then. Uh, the Return of the Sinister Six, uh, the beginning of Venom's tongue. All of a sudden, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that. That was a Larson thing, though. I thing. Yeah, so you know problem. what
4: was is weird about that is that there was a trade that was out that was that was Spider-Man versus Venom. that Todd had done the cover for, and I didn't buy the trade because I had the issues, but I saw the the cover, and I was like, Oh, Todd's giving him this big tongue. That was my memory of it. Later on, I saw the saw the cover again. It was like, oh, no, he just had his mouth open. And you could see that he had a tongue inside. It wasn't this big, slobbering tongue that I thought he was doing. So I, while I thought I was upping Todd, the reality was he wasn't doing that at all. And so it, it turns out that I was innovating.
1: I remember that trade where, like, him and Spider-Man are fighting. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was before. Um, and he, now, you were working with David Michelinie. Um I know that later on when you went to the other Spider-Man title, the one that McFarlane also left. Uh, uh-huh. You like to follow McFarlane, I guess. Uh, <laughs> follow him to little Somebody's got to do it, you know,
4: and I guess I, I, I guess, I got to be that guy.
1: Now, uh, you, when you and David Michelinie were on Amazing together, did you contribute any of the story or plot
4: ideas? Um... I mean, little mean, some stuff here and there. There would be characters that would uh, sort of came from me, like the, the femme fatales kind of more, more sprang from me than from him. But, I mean, by and large, it was his book, and I was I was the hired hand doing it. So, you know, it wasn't until I was off of it and doing the other one that I could fully just go and do whatever the hell I wanted to do with it.
1: Was there any particular um, images and panels that, like, were you, that they, you remember, were that were your favorite to draw, like Willie Lumpkin
4: doing face a Tiger. You just hit the Jack. No, uh, no, 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 or, no, 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 that would not be amongst the <laughs> um, more more Spider-Man action stuff or fight stuff or things like that. There was a shot, and then it's that same Sinister Six thing where Spider-Man was completely tied up in, in Doctor Octopus's arms. Mm. And I thought that was a that was a pretty cool shot. And there's just different shots here and there where it's like, oh, that one worked out. But mostly superhero stuff, not the not the Peter Parker stuff for the most part.
1: Now, around uh, the end of the 90s, early 2000s, um, you came back for a little bit, for like, I guess it was a few fill-in just, issues. Just three. Um, I heard somewhere that you, that you did not have a good time with those ones. Now, is that true, or that you... I, I, dude, this is all hearsay, but I remember hearing something that you know you were not happy about the state of the titles.
4: It was it was fine. I I, I didn't know some of the characters. I hadn't didn't follow the book after I left it. So when I came on it, there was like, well, this character is Gwen Stacy's sister or cousin or something. Jill, there was yeah. something yeah. going on in there. I was like, okay, whatever. I don't know who these guys are. So a lot of things like that weren't weren't very familiar to me. Um, it, it, was, it was fine I, It was a fine run But the, my biggest beef with that Is that the guy who was inking it Didn't get to ink every page and every issue And it, to me it looked a little spotty in that regard And I would have preferred it If he would have been able to do complete issues Rather than most of an issue
1: now, aside from the art, when you went on to the non-adjectiveless Spider-Man title, you did a stint on the writing there. You did the yeah. I think it's Re- not Return to the Center City, so it was called
4: Revenge of the. Revenge, Sinister- Revenge of the Center Sinister- City. Sinister- 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 I also Sinister- did that a one-shot that, that was just a beast issue. Yeah, the- mm, right,
1: uh, that, right. that, is that when he goes to um, ask him about uh, paternity, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, yeah.
4: The, 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 if, if he could conceive uh, with with his relationship with Mary Jane, I think. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was it was kind of an interesting issue to. to it's just sort of one of those where people ask about it, and it's like, well, they never really talked about it in the comic. Why don't we do an issue which addresses this a little bit? So I,
1: I thought, why, why not?
4: It's out of continuity now. Well, it, it,
1: it's in a different place in continuity, because now me, me, and Mary Jane never talked about kids. Whatever. The new continuity. What,
4: exactly, whatever. <laughs> you know, it doesn't it, it, it matters when you read it. You know, and it, When it really comes down to it, so many of the stories that have come out are never referred to anyway. So, mm, did that happen or did it not happen? Does it Does, it, does it matter that much? Mm-hmm. I guess, kind of, but... It, it can't make sense as a whole because then you would require everybody who's writing the book to read 50 years with the continuity, which is... That's a hell of a lot to read. Yeah. Well... You also did uh, Mary Jane wanting to do a nude scene in a movie. That was one of your pop. That yeah, I think. She, this that was was being, she was being offered a role, but she would have to have a nude scene in it. And she was sort of debating whether or not she wanted to do that and ultimately decided she did not. Do you have any more Spider-Man stories in you? I could always come up with them. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's always stuff to do. Mm-hmm. I, not that I'm sitting here going, oh, got, I'm burning with this Spider-Man story that I never got to tell. Because I don't. I pretty much got to do what I wanted to do. There were things that were being suggested by fans that would have been a fun thing to do had I stayed on it. Uh, I mean, just fans are, regularly had suggested, why don't you guys do a spider war? We have all the characters that are spider-related get into some big mix-up. And like, oh, oh that yeah, they, 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 they,
1: they, they, they did that last year with Grim Hunt. Yeah. I guess they're doing something similar this year called Spider Island. So they got around to
4: it, but twice. Yeah, <laughs> twice. Anyway, it was it was fun while I was on it. It wasn't a book that I sought out to do particularly. It was just a book that I that was a good gig and it was open, so I jumped on it. But I was always more of a Hulk, Thor, Fantastic Four sort of a the big brawny guy kind of stuff rather than these light, skinny guy stuff <laughs> so when I go off and do my own book it's like I'm doing, I'm doing that I'm doing the kind of book that I wanted to do there and so it's, it's a, and people have wondered like well how come you didn't do something more like Spider-Man I was like, well because that back. wasn't what I wanted
1: yeah. to do really well, thank you very much, uh, Eric Larson. You can check out his stuff. Um, he's with Image Comics still, right? Doing *Savage Dragon*. Absolutely. Uh, your Felicia was my was probably one of my favorite um, <laughs> drawn versions of her. I just, well, thank love, you. I love whenever she showed up that that little like evil grin on her face. Yeah, it's,
4: it was a fun book to be part of. It really was. Thank you very much. There you go
0: so you had a chance to talk to Eddie D'Angelini he's got a Stan Lee project coming up what's that about
1: yeah he uh, worked on a movie uh, called I think it's with great power the Stan Lee story and last year uh San Diego 2010 he uh, promoted on the boards I got in touch with him and uh, had a chat with him about the movie and it, it turned out to be the beginning of um I, I don't want to sound cliche but a very beautiful friendship because he was able to put together the little message that stan uh you know gave to ava last year and uh
0: awesome
1: yeah and then he came onto classics you know for a really funny romp of episodes that uh that that was uh towards the end of last year that was fun and uh we hung out with him and his wife uh, this year in San Diego too. We all went to see captain america and actually um on the video review that we did for captain america that's uh, that we put on the crawl space that's uh he, he's on that talking about the movie so
0: yeah what's his role with the with the film Is-
1: he was the comic... Uh, he, he did little errands and stuff, and I think he was the comic, like, archiver. Like, w- like mm, in the okay. ending credits for the movie, when they screened it last year, they had, like, different panels from different comics, and Eddie said he was the guy that had to find some of those, so... Oh, okay. I think I think the official title was, like, Researcher or something. He joked about it on the episode of Classics.
0: Spider Yoda, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> well, J.R. J-
1: Spider Yoda. Maybe, maybe Eddie Spider Kenobi...
0: There you we, go. You got to have
1: the Holy Trinity. Uh, so you know you be in. I don't know who the third guy would be in that. <laughs>
0: anyway, here's Eddie.
1: Comic Con is in full swing, and we are here with uh, Eddie D'Angelini, who uh, worked on a very special project that's going to
3: be screened uh, tonight. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It's called With Great Power: The Stanley Story. It's a full-length feature documentary on Stanley basically from his early childhood all the way up to literally the present. And uh, it's screening tonight here at Comic-Con, Saturday night at 8.30. And there is a panel afterwards with Stan, uh, Luke Rigno, Jim Lee, a bunch of other celebrities. So definitely uh, it's one of the highlights of this year's convention.
1: And to talk about how you uh, got involved with this project, we have Mrs. Uh, D'Angelini, right? That's how I say it.
3: Well, actually, I was just happening to be on Craigslist uh, looking for interesting things that had to do with comics, and I saw a listing for um, an intern that wanted to help out on the Stan Lee documentary, and I forwarded it to my husband because I knew that that was right up his alley.
1: Oh, so uh, so you found this job on Craigslist. That's kind of funny.
3: Yeah, I guess you can find anything on Craigslist, really. Um, yeah, it was an internship. I started going there, going in one day a week. I was a little reticent at first to do it because I thought, you know, I'm older. I'm already out of school. Um, most of the people that are interned on the documentary are all younger in college. And I thought, I don't want to... It's not paid. I really don't want to do it. But I thought, you know, it's Stan Lee. It's comics. It'll be something fun. Meet people. So I decided to go ahead and do it. And from there, just kind of, kind of steamrolled into bigger and better things. And... Um, from there, kind of went on to just doing a little bit of everything on the documentary. I started doing um, a lot of post-production graphic works on it because there's a lot of animated segments in between the interviews and uh, did work uh, for their website, uh, for the film, Facebook page. Um, and I ended up being the all-around uh, comic book researcher and archivist because of all the information that they needed to know, like identifying um particular old silver bronze age comics and where panels came from or who uh who had their first appearance and what issue so i was the person that they were always constantly calling hey can you identify this do you know this do you know that so that's actually on the imdp imdb page what i'm uh, credited as as the uh, comic book archival researcher comic book archival
1: researcher yeah that's uh no that that, that's an impressive title i i kill for something like that
3: yeah yeah that's kind of neat thing to have
1: Now, uh, you mentioned people like Lou Ferrigno, uh, Jim Lee. uh, You said Jim Lee, right? Yes. Okay, good. That was a mistake. It would all come out
3: in that movie. Did you get to work uh, with any of those people while you were uh, doing the film, and how was that for you? Actually, no. When I came on, I came on about a year and a half ago. uh, Most of the interviews were already shot. Uh, When I came on, it was uh, post-production. So I was doing uh, a lot of work helping out with um, the graphics, all the animation, things like that and uh, so a lot of the people that they interviewed in the movie and there's just a ton of people I did not get a chance to meet any of them but fortunately I did get a chance to meet Stanley about half a dozen times so that's cool
1: and how is it each and every time is it uh... just as impressive as the last you know when you're up to the fourth or fifth meeting is it
3: yes and every time he doesn't remember who the hell I am <laughs> well
1: I'm sure that that's very humbling <laughs>
3: I guess. Just the fact that um, being in this presence, I guess, is just kind of a thrill.
1: We got uh, the Koopa kids over there.
3: Is that what they are? I saw them early. I had no idea what they I'm are. G-
1: I'm guessing. I got, I got my Mario t-shirt and everything. Oh, okay. And I'm, right. I'm
3: not a huge gamer, so I don't know what some of these costumes are. Half the people, they show up in costumes. Yeah. I don't know what they are, unless it's, you know, a Marvel character. Well, don't feel bad about Stan, you know, not remembering you,
1: because he doesn't even remember half of the – he didn't remember Peter Parker's name and, you know, some of those early issues with the whole
3: Peter Palmer and – That's true. I think, though, that – and he even says it himself that he doesn't have a good memory. He forgets a lot of things. But um, I suspect that part of that is maybe a bit of a put on because when you talk to him face to face or you're in a room with him where he's talking to people, he'll recall things that you wonder how the heck he even remembers that.
1: Selective memory. It's uh I think so. Awesome. I think thing. when you're
3: 87 years old, you can um, you can just say yes. Yeah, selective memory. You can decide what you want to remember or what you don't want to. So when you met with Stan those half a dozen times, and you know,
1: obviously most of the movie had already been put together. Uh, what was his? What was your involvement with him uh, during these meetings?
3: They, they weren't actually meetings. They were just a lot of people that were. Approved. Would at least one time have a chance to maybe meet him, take a picture with him. But uh, since I kind of was working pretty closely, after a while I started working pretty closely with the two producers. So whenever they needed to go meet up with Stan or uh, go check on things at his office, a lot of times, you know, I was just along for the ride. And I did have the pleasure before um, Christmas holiday 2009. Before everyone was leaving for a break for a couple weeks, we all just got to hang out in his office over there at power entertainment for a couple hours and just kind of just, you know, shoot the breeze. So that was a cool experience. Is there
1: anything in the movie uh, that will surprise uh, fans, even the fans that know Marvel's story front and back and know Stan's story front and back? Is there any, you know, interesting facts or little tidbits that
3: we didn't know before well, you do find out a few things about his personal life, uh, his family life, things like that growing up well before he even uh, started working for Timely Comics that uh, I didn't know. I mean, when I came on, I, I learned a few things about him that, that I wasn't even aware of. Um, I hate to give anything away, I'd rather people. Either catch a screening or uh, pick up the DVD when it comes out. But definitely, he goes into it goes into uh, certain aspects of his early childhood, and you'll you'll hear and see things that you didn't know about. You see a lot of uh, archival photos from him as a child and his parents that were never released before. Okay. So yeah, that's definitely cool. And then you know he talks about things that you kind of get his side of as far as like uh, his fallout with Steve Ditko. Things like that, and then eventually meeting up with Steve Ditko again uh, just a few years ago, and how they actually kind of you know really about that. okay, that's um, that's not one of those widely
1: um, told no, things. No, it's not.
3: He does tell about how just a few years ago he was in New York visiting, and he did happen to run into Steve Ditko, and actually they were very friendly with each other, and even. I don't know if this will ever come about. And even talked about maybe even doing something together sometimes. It's oh, like... god, that would be <laughs> a Stan and Steve reunion.
1: That would be something. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe for Comic Con 2011. That'd be funny if you just whipped Steve out at the screening. Probably not though. Uh... Probably not.
3: I, I don't know. I don't when... know what it is about Ditko, but he's a very. No, oh, he's he's
1: a recluse. He would never do a Comic Con. Uh, now, uh, you you mentioned uh, when it comes out on DVD. Uh, when will that be?
3: Well, so far there is not actually a release date for. I did hear earlier. I don't know if anyone in the LA area would want to see it if they can't make it here this year, but uh, there is talk about maybe having another screening in LA. Um, Beyond that, I don't have the information. And where can fans get the update uh, to the movie? Definitely go to the website. It's www.withgreatpower.biz. That's .biz, not .com. And uh, on there, you'll find links to the Facebook page and the Twitter page, and definitely facebook page you will find constant updates and uh we're gonna put up a lot of photos to the screening once we um, probably get back to la and definitely there will be ongoing news about uh D&D release or any other screenings and moving from stan
1: lee to um a little creation of his from an obscure magazine amazing fantasy 15 called uh, i think it was spider-man never heard of him yeah neither have i but uh, when you uh, went on to the crawl space and were are a promoting thing you mentioned that um I'm assuming that you're a Spider-Man fan. Do the, you know, how you found the website and us and everything. Are you reading current Spider-Man comics now? Yes, I
3: am. In fact, I right now currently am one issue away from owning every single issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, what's that one issue? Number two. Have you have you
1: been looking around at these I shops? Have, here? I have. The
3: only one that I found that's maybe even affordable at this rate was a kind of slightly beat up copy for about three hundred bucks. But everything else I've seen has been eight hundred and up. Three hundred bucks to complete your collection, though that's
1: uh, that would be something.
3: That's that's not bad.
1: So of the six hundred and uh, I think we're at thirty-eight issues now. Yes. What which what is your favorite?
3: You know, I really 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 love the Stan Lee John Romita issues. I for me John Romita is just the quintessential Spider-Man. That is Spider-Man that I remember as a kid. And uh, those issues I think are some of the great stories. Not to knock did go because his stuff was great, too. Of course. Definitely. But I think Stan Lee is uh, really fleshing out the character. really started picking up once uh, Ramita came on. Eddie, thank you for talking with us. The
1: movie's called With Great Power, the Stan Lee story. Don't forget to go to withgreatpower.biz.
3: That's correct. And definitely a big hello to everyone in the call space. I am a listener. I love the podcast. Thanks. Well, hey, thanks for... Uh,
1: Thanks for talking with us today. Uh, good luck finding that issue too. And if anyone on the crawlspace knows, it's issue two, right? Yes. Okay. And if anyone on the crawl space knows
0: where he can find it, send him an email. <laughs> and that's a wrap on this episode. A big thanks to Josh Brittoni for these great interviews. Before we go, we'll give another shout out to our sponsor, MailorderComics.com. Another example of their great prices is on Venom number nine. This one says that quote, Flash has suffered great loss during the Spider Island and his heartbreak has just begun. The cover price for the book, $2.99. Mail order has it for just a dollar eighty-five, which is thirty-eight percent off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Thanks for listening, gang, for the Spider-Man com. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas.